first of all, let's give Thad a hand for making that video. He worked really hard on it. I told him what I had in my brain, which is a lot of stuff, and, and he, he came out with that. So thankful for him uh, for that. Look, uh, what comes to your mind when you hear the word miracle? You know, what do you, what do you think about Maybe something you've, you've seen or, or something you've witnessed that, that you just can't explain, something that blows your mind. Maybe it's something you've felt. You know, you haven't really seen it, but you felt it, and, and you just knew that something was extraordinary about that feeling. Or maybe it's something that you haven't seen or you haven't felt, but you hope to. Right? You, you hope uh, that something will miraculous will happen. Well, today we're beginning a new series called Miraculous. I'm really excited about this series, and, and that word miraculous sounds like miracles, right? It, it sounds like the word miracles, and it's kind of the same, but it's a little different. Um, the, the word miracle describes what happened, right? Uh, miraculous is our response to the miracle, you see. A miracle describes the event, and miraculous is the emotion that is felt, which causes us to wonder, and it causes us to want to investigate the origin of the miracle. Now, miraculous is an adjective, and it gets its origin from the Latin word miraculum, which means this, object of wonder, object of wonder. And an academic definition of the word miraculous, listen to this. It's a way to describe events or occurrences that are highly improbable, logically impossible, with little or no explanation. Listen to this. Leading one to consider divine or supernatural intervention. In other words, in other words when we or when somebody else says that something is miraculous, they're saying that something was caused by God. That's amazing, isn't it? Uh, as we read through God's Word, as we read through the Bible, we see three categories of miracles that occur. We, and, and these are uh, in order of popularity. So we see the miracles that Jesus did while He was on earth. And He did a lot of them. Uh, healing the sick, causing the blind to see, raising the dead, and things like that. And then we see miracles performed by people, right? Through the Holy Spirit. And, and most of these occur in the New Testament, you know, shortly after Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, some of them occur in the Old Testament through prophets and things like that, but that's the second type of miracles that occurs through God working through His Spirit through people to do amazing things. And then there's this third category, and that's what this whole series is based on is this third category. The miracles that God does from heaven solely on His own that affect most of the world, right? These miracles that are, are only caused by God. And over the next eight weeks or so, we'll look at these major occurrences recording in the Bible that just lead us to say, well, only God can do that. Only God can do that. There simply is no other explanation. So uh, what's the point of this series, you might ask? Well, the whole purpose of this is to get our focus on God. You see, many times, and, and, and th that's what this world has done in the past, is they get caught up in the miracle. And they missed God. The whole point of this series is to, is to look at the miracle, but to focus on God. To look through the lens of the miracle to see the origin of the miracle. 
to see the miraculous. So as we go through this series, we'll go through the major miracles of God listed in the Bible and how they impacted history because that's what the Bible is, is his story. And my hope is, after this series is over, as we go through this, we'll have a greater appreciation and love for our miraculous God. So, you know, in a series like this, where do we start? Where, where do we begin? Well, in the beginning is, is where we begin. We start at the beginning. The, the very beginning of the Bible is where we find the most astounding miracle of all. The beginning. Creation. Uh, this sermon today is based on one verse, and it's Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see? Did you know that's the most read verse in all the Bible? I might have thought it was John 3-16, but no, it's actually this. For whatever reason, mostly because I think people have goals of reading the Bible or reading through the Bible in a year and things like that, and you start somewhere, right? You, everybody starts at Genesis 1-1. It's the most read verse in the Bible. It's also the most controversial. You know, there are so many different ideas and theories about the origin of life. And throughout history, some of the most brilliant people on the planet have done their best to come up with a scientific definition for the beginning, right? But there is, what's funny, there's nothing scientific about Genesis 1-1. You know, it is so simple. It is such a basic statement, but yet it is so profound and so powerful. And look, it is foundational, foundational to our faith. So today we're going to be talking about the miracle of creation. And there are some very important things that I'm going to walk us through, okay? Some very important truths that we're going to talk about during our time together today. And the first truth is this, God was in the beginning. God was in the beginning. Look at the first part of Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. And I want to stop right there. I, just, I, just, I want us to stop right there and think about how marvelous that is. And how miraculous that is. In the beginning. Well, what does beginning mean? Right? Beginning means the start of something. We... We all have a beginning, don't we? If I were to ask you, where do you come from? You would tell me probably a location. Where were you born? You probably know that. Where were your parents born? You probably know that. You see, we all have a beginning. We all have a starting point. Well, guess what? God doesn't. God doesn't have that. God existed before the start. You know, the Bible teaches us that God is eternal, that God is forever. And we automatically think about present going to future. But what that also means is that God has always existed. Eternity past, because God exists outside of time. What is time? It's a measurement of something starting and something ending. You know, God exists outside of that. He doesn't have a beginning. He doesn't have an end, so he is separate from time. You know, many of you are familiar with this story when God was talking to, to Moses. And Moses was so interested in learning more about God, he said, What is your name? I, I want to know your name. And God said, I am. I am is my name. And you know the literal translation for that was I be? 
But that didn't make sense to us grammatically, so we changed it around. Right? We changed it to I am, but God was saying, I be is, is my name. And the Hebrew word for this is Yahweh. They came up with their own word to describe this. That the name was so holy, it was so miraculous, it was so marvelous that they came up with their own word to, de- to describe the name of God. And, and it means this, self-sustaining, self-existing. Think about this. When you read Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, it re- literally, literally means in the beginning, I am created the heavens and the earth. And if you think about it this way, I am is always in the present tense. Always. God has no beginning and he has no end. He exists outside of time and he exists outside of creation. God is not becoming anything. God is not growing. God is not evolving. He's not improving. He does not change. He is constant. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's God. So just the first few words of the Bible are truly miraculous to us. And if we can just allow that truth to sink into us, then the rest of the Bible well, we shouldn't have much of a problem with, right? An amazing truth. God was in the beginning. Second truth I want to share with you. God created everything from nothing. God created everything from nothing. Let's just read all of Genesis 1-1 together now. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. So, you know, God was in the beginning. I am was in the beginning. And then God created. And that word created simply means fashioned. God fashioned. And the phrase heavens and earth is all of creation. All of it. It's the sum of the universe. All of creation is summarized in Genesis 1-1. All of it. Look. Creation itself is a miracle. It is. Why? Well, first of all, God was in the beginning. right? God was before creation. And, and this, God created everything from nothing. From nothing. There was nothing there except God, and that's it. Well, many say, how is that possible? How is that possible? This is the major issue with, with science and, and giving a scientific explanation of creation. You can't. You can't give a scientific explanation of creation. You can't take nothing and make it something. You can't scientifically explain that. The equation doesn't work itself out, you see. You know what? They are right. They are right. You, you can't explain it. So what is it? Miraculous. It's miraculous. You see, to us, anything times nothing always equals nothing. Always. But to God, him times nothing equals everything. You see, we can't explain that. It's miraculous. And, and look, I do not claim to be a scientist I don't, I don't claim to be a physicist or anything like that. But what I do claim to be is a man of faith and a teacher of God's word. That's what I claim to be. And even though this doesn't make sense and it's not logical, I believe it because I choose to have faith. That this is the truth. Look at Hebrews 11.3. Look at this verse. Okay, 
any of you struggle with this, if any of you get into arguments with really intelligent people, look, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. It's by faith. It's by faith we understand that God created everything from nothing. It's by faith one that believes that God created the visible from the invisible. There's no proof. There's no proof. There will never, ever be any proof. You might see some evidence throughout creation, but there, there will never be proof that God created everything from nothing. It's just faith. It's what it is. Look, science is great. I have some really good friends in the science field. And, and historically, look, some of the greatest people of our faith, of the Christian faith, over the past four to 500 years have been Christians. Really devout, really strong Christians. But what I am saying is this. There cannot be a scientific explanation for everything. There cannot be a scientific solution to everything. There simply can't. You might say, what about evolution? Right? What about evolution? Well, look, evolution can only go back so far. Evolution always assumes that something exists to evolve from. Evolution can't occur from nothing. There has to be something there for evolution to take place. Well, you might say, what about the Big Bang theory? Even with the Big Bang, something had to exist. You see, I did some research. I'm not a scientist, but I can, do, I can look things up. The Big Bang requires three things. Three things. Time, energy, and space. You have to have those three things for the Big Bang to even be possible. Time, energy, and space. The Big Bang Theory is the overwhelming view of modern science. The majority of the science field, the science area, has said, okay, the Earth, the universe came from the Big Bang. That's the most popular theory. But you know what? They cannot explain where time, energy, and space came from. It stops there. Look, I believe in the Big Bang. I believe, said God, spoke, and bang, there it was. <laughs> God created everything from nothing. Everything from nothing. Um, I, I also did some research on this. Man's greatest inventions, okay? Uh, I want to read through these. These changed the course of human history. Number one, the wheel, right? We all use wheels. We take them for granted all the time, don't we? Um, you'll be using the wheel when you retire. You'll be in a wheelchair, right? <laughs> 3500 B.C., the wheel was invented. I thought it was a lot longer, before, but 3500 B.C., the nail, the nail, listen to this, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, the nail. Uh, before then, everything had to be shaped and fitted together uh, to be structurally sound. But it isn't, isn't it interesting that Jesus came when the nail was becoming popular, right? No other time in history, the nail. The compass, 8th century China, many, uh, that changed the course of human history. The compass, how to navigate, how to find places in the world before it was just navigation through stars well now you can navigate during the day with the compass then the printing press 1440 all of us uh, the entire world now can read you know and, and these 
books and magazines and newspapers and things like that can be mass-produced. The light bulb, right? Aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful for the light bulb? The telephone, 1876. Uh, it doesn't seem that long ago, right? When you hear the, hear the year. Telephone, 1876. Then the, the combustion engine of the 1800s, that ushered in the Industrial Revolution and everything for us, especially in America, changed. And then penicillin, penicillin in 1928. It's so interesting that just a few decades ago, just a generation ago, nobody took medicine. And, and now we, you know, we take all kinds of different medicines each and every day. But penicillin, 1928. And then the internet of the 1960s. I thought Al Gore invented the internet. <laughs> but no, it, there was, there, they were working on this thing in, not, in the 1960s. So, uh, And then, this is my favorite, the Lazy Boy Recliner. <laughs> I thought, why is that in there? You know, I mean, I like Lazy Boy. It's cool and all, but really, no, it, it's interesting. 1969. So the lazy boy, it's, it wasn't so much about the, the invention, it was about what the invention led to, the age of comfort. So when you think about it, before that, everything was just, I want it because it's functional, because it fits a purpose, because I have a need and this works. And now after the lazy boy, is it comfortable? You know, I don't care if it's functional or not, how does it make me feel? Is it comfortable, right? Look, all of these in inventions are great, but that's exactly what they are, inventions. Inventions, not creations. Um, I was talking with Travis. We were talking about this series and, and, and you know, brainstorming, planning things out, and he told me a funny story that he heard uh, of a conversation between God and, a God and a scientist. And the scientist said, we finally found a way to make a human being. We finally found a way to make man. And God said, okay, well, show me. Show me. Uh, the scientist went outside and, and gathered some stuff in his lab coat and pockets and stuff like that and, and went outside in the dirt and started doing this and scooping it up. And God said, hold on. Get your own dirt. <laughs> All right. Now you can go everybody and, and tell everybody that you heard a dirty joke in church. <laughs> Look, everything that we use, everything that we joy can be traced back to a discovery or an invention. And every invention or every discovery can be traced back to something God created. Everything. Everything that we have ever made, everything that we have ever crafted, everything that we have ever discovered, everything that we have ever invented, it all came from something that God made. You know, God not only changed the course of human history, but he started human history. He started it. God created everything in the universe, which is truly amazing. But what is even more amazing is the effort and the attention that God took when he made mankind. So that's the next uh, truth. And I want to start walking through some things with you is that God created mankind in a special way. In a special way. Many of you might not know this. Many of you might say, well, I'm familiar with this. But there might be some things that you didn't know. Look, as a, as a person, as a human, you have value. When God created mankind, he changed up the process. 
He didn't create mankind the way he created everything else. First of all, God created mankind individually. Individually. You might say, well, duh, I knew that. But have you ever thought about it? The Bible tells us that God created man as an individual. Think about this. The heavens were created all at once. The stars all at once. The animals, at least at the beginning, all at once. Even the angels. All at once. But for man, God did something different. Look at Genesis 2-7. Look at this. Then the Lord God formed what? A man. A man. Singular. Amen. From the dust of the ground. So we see God here changing up the process, carefully shaping, carefully molding, paying close attention, taking special care when he created man. Well, the next way we were created special was God created mankind with his own breath. Genesis 2-7, the second part. And so the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of of life, and the man became a living being. You know, it's interesting. God spoke, and the stars were made, but he breathed into man. How different is that? You talk about strong breath, right? The way that we have life is by the breath of God. And God just didn't command, and there we were. But he carefully molded man, and then he breathed his own breath into them, making them a living being. And next we see that God created us to be prized, or God created us prized. Look at Genesis 1, 28. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God created man to rule over everything else that he created. Isn't that interesting? We were created prized. Man was given dominion over all, el- all other creation, over everything else. Out of everything on this earth, man was placed at the top. This was all part of God's plan to bless man, to give him dominion over the earth. Look at verse 29. Then God said, I give you, and if that wasn't enough, what he said before, he says this. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth. I want you to notice all these words that describe what God gave us. The whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all of the beasts and to all the birds in the sky and all of the creatures that move along the ground. Look, everything, everything that has breath and life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. It was so. Man, I know many of you uh, went to grandma's for Thanksgiving. and You know, some of my best memories come from eating at grandma's house. And one thing about grandma was she loaded the plates down. Right? You couldn't just get away with just a little bit. You took your, your plate and, oh, here, honey, you want some of this? What about some of this? We'll try some of this. And by the time you got done, it was piled this high. The whole plate was filled, piled high, running over. And that's what God did for us with creation. He piled it high and said, here you go. Take some of this. Take some of this. Take some of this. It's yours. And it was so. We were prized 
above all else. And then we were created special because God made us known. God made us known. You know, during creation, God called everything something. The beast he allowed Adam to name, but everything else, God called it something. Listen, God called the light day. God called the dark night. God called the vault sky. God called the dry ground land. But you know, man was never given a name. Never. Adam simply means the man. So if your name's Adam in here, you can walk around saying, I'm the man. Because literally, that's what your name means. He was never given a name. It means, it means the man. The man. Why was Adam never given a name? Because God knew him. God didn't have to name him. God knew him. That's so important, and that shows how special mankind is. Look at this in Jeremiah 1.5. You might say, well, that was just Adam. Of course he knew him. He was the first one. But look at Jeremiah here. Jeremiah 1.5. This is God speaking to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I what? I knew you. I knew you. We were made known. God didn't have to name us. And for us, it's not so much that God knows us by name because our names change, don't they? You get married, your, name, your last name changes many times. You might go by a nickname. You might decide to go and make it legal and completely change your name. That's, that's not the most important thing to God because He knows you. He knows you by heart. He knows who you are. Out of all of creation, we, we, me and you, humans, we have this special connection to God. What a great privilege that is. To understand that this big creator God can know us. And, and we can know him. We have that connection. Well, why would God create us different? Why would God create us special? Well, because we are special to him. And he has a special purpose for us. And that's the, the next truth. God created us for a special purpose. Um, God created us in a special way, right? We already talked about that, which means what? We have value. Well, God created us for a special purpose, which means we have meaning. We have value and we have meaning. You know, I did some research on this too. Uh, inventions that serve little to no purpose. You ready to walk through these with me? The first one is beard lights. I foresee somebody getting these in the stocking this, this year. All right, beard lights. Little to no purpose, but hey, it's, it's cool, right? The next is sleeping bag with arms and legs. And I'm thinking at this point, aren't you just sleeping in your clothes? I mean, you know, what's the point of that? Third is the ostrich pillow. And... <laughs> You know, I don't know. I don't understand that. I don't understand the point. Maybe you think nobody sees you or something. I don't know. Uh, number four is the shower mic. The shower mic. Some of you will love this. I don't, don't necessarily see the point, but hey, it's there. Then finally, we've got foot-powered bicycles. 
Anybody get that? I mean, either you walk or you ride a bike. You don't do both at the same time, right? I mean, to me, this is going backwards. This is like Flintstone stuff, right? Look, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that we were not made like this? Like, you don't, like you, I don't understand that. That has no purpose. That's silly. Mankind was created for a special purpose. Well, what's that? Genesis 127. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I want you to notice the use of the word created here. And notice the repetition of the word image. It's like the writer just wanted to get that across to us. He even reverses the first sentence and the second sentence and says it backwards. Just so we'll pay attention to it. This isn't explaining how God created us. This is explaining why God created us. We were created in the image of God with the purpose to glorify God by bearing His image. That's why. That's why we were created. We were not created to be God, but we were created to be God-like and to represent Him to others. Look, we are not random creations. We were created by God with intent with purpose and with meaning. And and as we look at the beginning of creation, we see how God made the sun and he made the earth and he made the moon. and, And you know what the moon does? It reflects the sun. It reflects the sun. That's its purpose. And just like the moon does that, we are to reflect the Son of God. We are to reflect the sun. Jesus. You might say, why Jesus? Why Jesus? Well, look, Jesus is God. That's what the Bible teaches us. Jesus is God. And Jesus is over all of creation. You know, in John 1.1, it's like John wanted to make this link between Jesus and God in the beginning because John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the Word. Almost the same sentence as Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Through the Word, all was created, and without the Word, nothing was made that had been made. Wow, what a beautiful, beautiful section of Scripture there in John 1, 1 through 3. But look at this, Colossians 1, 15 through 17. Why reflect Jesus? Well, the Son, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And that word firstborn doesn't mean that that Jesus was a created being. It means he's supreme over creation. For in him, all things, I want you to notice the repetition of this here, all things. All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. Who does that make you think of? God in the beginning. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Look, Jesus is the true image of God. That's why we reflect the sun. Jesus took part in creation. Creation was done through him and for him. And look, Jesus is the one that's holding it all together right now. Holding it all. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? 
Do you follow Jesus? Do you look to Jesus? Do you reflect Jesus? And look, I don't know what you're dealing with today. But I do know that God doesn't make mistakes. God does not make mistakes. You may be dealing with depression. You may be dealing with self-worth. You may be struggling with doubts about yourself. You may be struggling with self-confidence. You may be struggling with popularity. Look, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you. God doesn't make mistakes. What does God think about you? Well, he loves you. You're special to him. Look, God saw everything that he was made, and he said, and he said it was good. But you know what? It wasn't until after mankind that God said, it is very good. You're special. You are prized above all creation. The greatest thing out of all creation is you. You. The thing that God chose to make in his image is you. The thing that God chose to have a special relationship with is you. The thing that God loves most out of everything in this universe is you. God did not need to create us. He didn't need it. But he chose to out of love because he loves you. That's miraculous, isn't it? So what do we do? What does this lead us to before we go home? Two things. We praise God. We praise God. When we, when we read this and we hear this and we look at this, we can't be the same. We praise God. When we look at the miracle of creation, we are driven to praise. When we look out at all of creation, the beauty and the splendor, we should praise. When we think about how small the atom is, how small, and how large the universe is, we should praise. When we think about how amazing the sun, the moon, and the stars are, but then we realize that we are the prized creation, not them. We are. We should praise God. This isn't on the screen, but Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens do that. Psalm 66.4, All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Look, if all the earth does that, and we're the prized creation, shouldn't we praise God too? We should. We should. If all creation is doing that, so should we. God is worthy of our praise. Next, so we praise God, then we fulfill our purpose. Look, we have purpose. We were made for a purpose. So we feel it. We fulfill that purpose. We were created for something, and that is to be in a relationship with God, first of all. Right? In a relationship with God, and then to bear His image to the world. God made humans in His image, so the world would be filled with reflectors of Him. All these millions and billions of reflectors of God's image filling this world. That was his intent. That was his design. We never have to ask, why are we here? We never have to wonder that quest, with that question. We are here because God loves us. He created us in a special way. And he has given our lives a special purpose. You know, I read this quote by John Piper that I love. And I just want to share it with you. God created us to know him. To love him. And to show him. How simple is that? To know him, to love him, and to show him. And then he says this. And then he gave us a hint of what he is like. 
the universe. How marvelous is that? May we live out our days here, living a life of praise and fulfilling the purpose that God has given to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word today. We do thank you for the truths that you've uh, revealed to us. Father, when we look at creation, we look at how marvelous, how miraculous that was. When we look at how you created everything from nothing, how you existed before everything was made. Father, how you created us was so special, so different from everything else. How you gave us value, but also how you gave us meaning. You created us with purpose. Father, you filled us with your own breath. Father, may we never take that for granted. May we look at that and just praise you. We praise you for creation. When we look at uh, the universe, when we look at creation, when we look at the mountains, when we look at the sky and the stars, and we say, how beautiful Father, may we be driven to praise and look, look past, look through the miracle to see the miraculous, to see you behind it all. Father, help us to bear your image in this world. That's what you created us to do. Help us to look more and more like the true image of you, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.